America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation that's asking a great question. News today from Italy. The Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi, who is generally well thought of as somebody who's supposed to be competent, a technocrat, certainly being very cooperative on the issue of Ukraine and other issues with the United States, he's going to resign. Uh, a key party in his coalition pulled its support for the government. Uh, a lot of people looking at Italy and saying, okay, why can't that happen for the United States? Uh, a lot of people would love to see President Biden resign. Uh, there's also a powerful column today by A.B. Stoddard in Real Clear Politics about why he should announce immediately that he is not running for re-election and that would help the Democratic Party. It would help the country, uh, would it? And um, meanwhile, there are lots of other people who would like to see somebody else resign or at least drop out of presidential politics. His name is Trump, and he just gave an interview with New York Magazine. You might ask why, which is one of the many, many mysteries. I mean, New York Magazine is not positive toward President Trump. But in any event, the uh, highlight of the uh, interview he gave is uh, Donald Trump on 2024. I've already made that decision, and the decision is he's going to go for it, and he says he is going to win. Uh, Also breaking news, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton sued the Biden administration. He's facing re-election, Ken Paxton, and uh, given the fact that there are several federal indictments against him for uh, tax and securities matters that uh, he's involved with personally. In any event, the attorney general of Texas is suing the federal government over rules that require abortions be provided in medical emergencies in order to save the life of the mother, even in states with near total bans. Okay, why, why is a Republican attorney general trying to undo federal rules that would protect lives of mothers who are literally threatened by uh, with without uh, an abortion coming forward? I mean, really, isn't isn't that throw the entire conservative and pro-life position into question? Are there really people out there who thinks that the government should make it impossible for a a woman to get a life-saving medical care? This is a tiny, tiny percentage of the abortions that we uh, that that take place in this country. But to take that position that uh, the 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 government of the United States, because of its pro-life commitments, because here's one of the ironic things what happens if okay without the abortion uh the mother is likely to die and the baby is likely to die too i mean is this really something that the there should be decided by a lawsuit between the governor of uh, the attorney general of texas and the federal authorities uh we will be talking a little bit about the abortion issue and why it seems to be working for Democrats 
when when you look at it, the majority of Americans really do want some restrictions on abortion, excluding preventing things that are life-saving for a mother, but want restrictions on abortion in the second trimester and in the third trimester. There's almost unanimity on that, particularly the third trimester. The uh, Gallup poll shows 71%, 71% of, of people want abortions to be prohibited in that final trimester. And now the Democrats are fighting for a new federal rule on abortion, which may be unconstitutional because it preempts the choices of state governments, a federal rule that would allow abortion up to the uh, point of delivery. Uh, All problematic. Uh, Poll, just 18% of Americans say Biden should run for re-election in 2024. A uh, new low. President Biden is in the Middle East right now. He has uh, left Saudi Arabia. He has arrived in Israel. He seems to be having a very positive, uh, positive visit with the uh, interim Israeli leadership, the interim prime minister, Yair Lapid. And uh, he met with the defense minister, Benny Gantz. And there was a strong statement on the part of the president suggesting that uh, Israel and the United States should work together against Iran, which actually represents a big change for President Biden. Remember, he was trying to restructure that uh, nuclear arms deal with Iran, and that was something the Israelis absolutely did not want. That appears not to be happening And uh, there seems to be an attempt, and it's a positive attempt, to try to get cooperation between the Israelis and Sunni Arab states, like Saudi Arabia, uh, like the Gulf Emirates, uh, and and others, to try to defend against uh, Iranian strikes that actually have moved forward against Saudi Arabia and some of the Gulf Emirates and Israel, Iranian strikes with drones. There's a front page story in the New York Times, which is very dramatic, about shooting down a number of drones as they were um, uh, approaching a target that uh, could have been very destructive and uh, created a new international crisis. Uh, Israel destroys Iranian drones as Arabs assist. That's kind of a encouraging headline that's from the new york times in the skies east of israel a few minutes before 2 a.m four israeli pilots scanned the horizon for two unmanned aircraft that were heading toward israel from iran suddenly the pilots saw them two triangular drones each roughly eight yards that's uh 24 feet uh eight yards wide speeding westward Positive identification, one pilot told his commanders by radio, I will shoot. Seconds later, the both Iranian drones had crashed to the ground, shot down by two Israeli fighter jets in two locations above Arab territory. That uh, secret episode, which occurred on March 15th of last year, was one of the first successful examples of a fledgling military relationship between Israel, 
certain Arab partners and the United States, a project that President Biden is trying to cement into a more formal network during his visit this week to the Middle East. Uh, corroborated by two senior Israeli officials and recordings of the uh, pilot's communications, the episode exemplified how Israel once uh, isolated in the Middle East because of Arab solidarity with the Palestinians is now working increasingly closely with several Arab militaries. It also illustrated how shared fears of Iran uh, now supersede concerns in some Arab governments about the failure to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We will be speaking to Michael Rubin of the American Enterprise Institute about the president's trip to Saudi Arabia. Rubin wrote, even before that trip commenced, that uh, the Biden initiative in Saudi Arabia was bound to fail. He had uh, isolated himself. He had called Saudi Arabia because of the murder of uh, Khashoggi here in the United in Turkey. He had called Saudi Arabia a pariah state. But now, we will get to that and to more, and Trump's announcement of candidacy now expected in September at the latest. We will get to that and more on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, the report in the Wall Street Journal. President Biden arrived in Israel uh, yesterday, actually, to kick off a trip to the Middle East that his administration hopes will bolster U.S. ties in the region, but could yield limited progress on American priorities. The uh, connections between the Israeli people and the American people is bone deep, Mr. Biden said shortly after landing at Ben Gurion Airport. For his 10th trip to Israel over his decades-long career in politics, it was his first visit to Israel as president. We're simply happy to see you, Mr. President, the simple, genuine joy of seeing a good friend once again. So said Yair Lapid, Israel's caretaker prime minister. Uh, president Biden is also going to meet, be meeting with the leader of the opposition, whose name is Bibi Netanyahu who is hoping to regain the prime ministership that he's held longer than any other Israeli in history. Uh, U.S. officials framed the four-day trip to Israel and Saudi Arabia as an opportunity to strengthen ties and promote stability, including by bringing the two countries he's visiting closer together while countering threats from Iran. But the president's allies worry he could conclude without substantial progress on energy or human rights issues returning largely empty-handed to the U.S., where he is struggling with low approval ratings and high prices. And by the way, those approval ratings get lower and lower. And the, the more inflation goes up, the um, more Biden's approval ratings go down. I mean, it's, it's really that simple, and they are absolutely in the basement right now. A new poll, Yahoo News, you government poll, you gov poll, uh, says just 18% of Americans 
say Biden should run for re-election in 2024. That's a new low, uh, the lowest number to date. Nearly two-thirds, 64%, say he should bow out. And for the first time, more Democrats now say Biden should pass on a second term than say he should pursue one. Uh, that's uh, 41% to 35%. And uh, it's a very, very difficult position for the president. He was uh, interviewed on an Israeli media outlet, and he actually took some shots at some political opponents here in the United States, not Republicans. He took shots at anti-Israel Democrats, and good for him on that. This is a clip seven. The Obama Biden administration oversaw the approval of the Ireland Bill, but there are also other voices in the Democratic Party, sir, voices that say that Israel is an apartheid state, calling for an end of unconditional aid. There's an undeniable gap between you and those voices. There are a few of them. I think they're wrong. I think they're making a mistake. Israel is a democracy. Israel is our ally. Israel is a friend. And uh, I think that I make no apologies. We've, we've provided for, in my administration, $4 billion plus another billion for Iron Dome. And we're working on a laser project to be able to replace Iron Dome. Uh, it's overwhelming our interest that, is, that uh, Israel be stable. But if even an issue like interceptors for the Iron Dome is a controversial thing, should be concerned for, for the future of the relationship between Israel? No. No, there's no possibility, I think, of uh, the Democratic Party or even a significant portion of the Republican Party walking away from Israel. And uh, he's certainly right about the Republican Party. And I uh, certainly hope that he's correct about the Democratic Party and speaking as clearly as he did just there. That's uh, a, a little bit encouraging. Uh, meanwhile, something else that's encouraging is um, we've got a a new offer for you, and it is completely free. Uh, how about free startup investing anytime, anywhere with a free Our Crowd app? Uh, the world of startup investing at your fingertips. The enhanced Our Crowd app brings their investment platform right to your mobile device. You can read about some of the startup countries, companies in Israel that are changing the world. And also the nearly one half, 40% of our crowd companies that are here in the United States. You can see what investment opportunities are available in up and coming startups. You can uh, check how various investments and corporations are doing around the world. And it costs you nothing. Go to michaelmedved.com and you can click on uh, signing up for the free Our Crowd app and benefit from that information. There's also a um, piece today about Israeli benefits provided to the U.S. Uh, Yoram Ettinger, who's a former deputy ambassador to the United States, has the Ettinger Report. And today's piece with President Biden being received very warmly by Israelis of every political stripe because their relationship with the United States is so crucial to that country. But it's also crucial for the United States. Uh, Ettinger writes, the U.S. does not extend 
foreign aid to Israel. Rather, the U.S. makes an annual investment in Israel, which yields to the American taxpayer an annual ROI, return on investment, of several hundred percent. Israel serves as the battle-tested, cost-effective laboratory of the U.S. defense and aerospace industries and the U.S. armed forces. Over 200 U.S. high-tech giants have now established research and development centers in Israel, uh, trying to take advantage of Israel's brain power. And by the way, part of that story is the one and a half million Russians who have left Russia and established new lives and new communities in Israel. Over uh, the U.S., uh, says Yettinger, would have to establish five new CIAs in order to procure comparable intelligence that is provided by Israel. And Israel is, he says, the largest U.S. aircraft carrier, which does not require American soldiers on board, sparing the U.S. $15 billion annually. That, of course, is a reference to uh, Franklin Roosevelt having said that Britain was America's largest aircraft carrier uh, during World War II because that was the place from which U.S. operations took off and saved the world. Uh, speaking of uh, saving uh, the world, we have um, uh, <laughs> saved the world from crazed politics. And there certainly is a lot of it. Uh, there is a leaked audio from before Election Day from Steve Bannon. And again, this is before Election Day, before the votes were even counted, where on this audio, Bannon says that, uh, that Trump was going to proclaim victory even if he lost. Does uh, this create any more problems for the president who is planning to win another victory, in quotes. We will talk about that. We'll also speak to Dr. Michael Rubin about the president's trip to the Middle East and the future regarding nuclear weapons and Iran. Coming up on the Medved Show. More of Michael Medved in a moment. Michael Medved show always a pleasure to welcome back the uh, AEI scholar American Enterprise Institute uh, Dr. Michael Rubin uh, Dr. Rubin is a former Pentagon official he has lived in post-revolution Iran and escaped and managed to survive and also Yemen and he uh, also lived in both pre and post-war Iraq he also spent time with the Taliban before 9-11, but don't hold him responsible. Uh, he has written most recently a powerful column about the president's Middle Eastern trip. And uh, he, the headline is, here's why Joe Biden's Saudi trip is doomed to fail. Um, Michael Rubin, thanks for joining us on the Medved Show. What is the key element in that failure that you en envision and anticipate? The, the key failure, I think, is the cynicism. Joe Biden found it convenient for largely domestic political reasons 
to badmouth the Saudis, to badmouth Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, individually. Uh, and the Saudis have very long memories. And so now that he needs the Saudis, again, for domestic political reasons, given inflation, given the rise of um, price at the pump, um, to believe that the Saudis are going to forget the last two years is absolutely naive. The Saudis need to understand that in our alliance with them, it's something more than transactional. It's deep. It's going to take into account their security needs as well as our needs. And that's not something which Biden has been able to um, to show. And the fact that Biden is going to be met at the airport by the deputy governor of a province rather than by the prime minister or senior official shows just how the Saudis are, are planning to snub him. Well, there's certainly been no snub about President Biden's trip to uh, Israel. And the Biden administration at least claims that part of what they're going to try to do is to bring Israel and Saudi Arabia closer together, the same way that Israel was brought by President Trump very successfully closer together with uh, the Arab, the Emirates and uh, Bahrain and uh, other Arab nations. Is that a possible accomplishment for the Biden administration? It is a possible accomplishment, but if Biden brings the Saudis and the Israelis closer together, it may not be in the way he thinks. The reason why the Saudis and the Israelis have grown so close together has much more to do with the fact that both fear the Iran policy, which first President Obama and now President Joe Biden have engaged with. They don't believe that their concerns are taken seriously. Now, Joe Biden did sign an agreement with Israel saying that he wouldn't allow a nuclear Iran to exist, but there's very little details beyond that symbolic agreement. Uh, and the fact that Biden isn't willing to walk away from the diplomatic table is certainly worrying that he's not consulting with the Israelis or the Saudis on plus some of the loopholes is an issue. That said, it is significant that Joe Biden and his team have dropped their blanket bashing of the Abraham Accords and now realize that they can actually join in this trend rather than simply um, denounce it because it um, came from his predecessor. Right. And, and again, it's a trend that uh, benefits the whole world. There was a shocking story and the headline captures just the shock value. It says, uh, Israel destroys Iranian drones as Arabs assist. And they're talking about an incident that has been secret since it occurred, which is in March of 2021. Uh, what, uh, what does it mean that Arabs actually assist Israel? Wouldn't that at one time have been anathema within the Arab world? It would be, and this is why uh, Donald Trump's policy to turn conventional wisdom on its head and to uh, change U.S. policy with regard to Jerusalem to try to get Israel and certain Arab states together was so important. Now, the key issue is we should have seen this trend coming back during the Arab Spring, because when we had those uprisings across the Arab world, the one grievance which was absent in um, Egypt already at peace with Israel, but in Tunisia and other countries, in Yemen and Syria, was, was Israel. People were complained about their own domestic corruption, about the lack of 
performance of their regional economies and so forth. It wasn't about the Arab-Israeli conflict, and that's one of these signs that perhaps the Arabs want to move on, but you know that Iranians don't. That said, domestic Saudi politics come into play. Why do we always talk about the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, rather than the king, Salman? And it's because the king has um, pretty advanced Alzheimer's disease. Now, there's a fear that perhaps someone could get to the king who would fire the crown prince and appoint someone else who would be much more reactionary. This is why the Saudis have been slow to normalize relations with Israel, because Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, he might be the kingmaker and the future king, but his position isn't completely secure. Well, that's fascinating. Speaking of not completely secure, you have a new piece about the coming collapse of Pakistan. And Pakistan's a nuclear power. It's also a country of, uh, what, it's 150 million or in that range. It's a big country. Uh, when does this collapse occur, if it does? Well, what I was saying in that paper was in the national interest, that article, is when we look at the inflation rate, when we look at the price of oil, when we look at the price of food, Pakistan's in a perfect storm because they have to import both their wheat from Ukraine and Russia, and they also have to import, uh, uh, um, import their oil. So they are getting clobbered with inflation, and we're getting to the point where even military officers may not be able to get by. So whether this collapse could come in six months or a year, all I can say with certainty is that there's domestic unheaval, uh, upheaval in Pakistan looming. Now, the key thing is Pakistan had cast its lot with China. They had something called the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. But what Pakistan has found is rather than become an economic savior, China is demanding that Pakistan pay guarantees um, for oil, for such, and this takes away even more of the Pakistani disposable income. So they really have very little to play with. And again, as you said, Pakistan's a nuclear power. If they're impoverished, if their military officers are impoverished, remember how worried we were back when the Soviet Union collapsed about Russian scientists selling loose nukes. We're going to have its deja vu all over again. And to whom would they sell these loose nukes? Well, we know that in the past, the, rogue, the late rogue nuclear scientist Abdul Khan, Abdul Qadir Khan, AQ Khan, basically ran the gambit from North Korea to um, Libya to Iran and so forth. But given Pakistan's ties with radicals, remember, they sheltered um, the late al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden. It's anyone's guess. All I can say is it's not going to be the Mother Teresa's of the world. Uh, President Biden planning any trips to Pakistan and India? Um, at this point, not that I'm aware of, although certainly uh, perhaps that would be on the horizon. That said, um, President Biden's handlers are very nervous about him traveling simply because of COVID, because of his age. Um, they were very upset when he actually shook hands with Israelis because um, the protocol established beforehand is that he would just fist bump to minimize his exposure. Now, to move this into India and Pakistan, that's a whole nother direction, which the White House may not want to go. Yeah, there... <laughs> there, there's actually another story we're covering about a a make believe uh, cricket league in in India, which uh, is a story that really needs some unpacking. It's a make believe cricket league that has actually uh, cheated uh, Russians out of uh, 
literally millions of rubles. We will get to that and more. Uh, Michael Rubin's most recent contributions to our international dialogue are posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. Uh, that's michaelmedved.com. Michael, thank you for your insight and perspective always. We will be right back on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's The Michael Medved Show. And on The Michael Medved Show, one of the problems that America faces right now is there is a tendency on the part of both parties, both major parties, to uh, tell people that the other side is so corrupt that our voting system is so messed up that the uh, other side is uh, doing so much to distort our elections that elections don't matter anymore. It just doesn't matter who wins. And that, of course, is a poisonous message. It's a toxic message. It's a uh, message that I think is profoundly dishonest. I think elections and votes matter a lot, especially when elections end up close, and there's every reason to believe that elections will end up close, especially with the tightening of the midterm elections, which I think it's enormously important for the good of the country that the Republicans retake the House of Representatives. It may make an, an entirely positive difference in what happens in the last two years of Biden's term. And no, Biden is not going to be impeached by an incoming Republican Congress, which a lot of people have speculated about. The, um, the question of votes counting is been called into deep question, at least for the Trump camp, because of a uh, leaked video, not video, it's an audio only, uh, of Steve Bannon speaking to his associates on October 31st, 2020. Now you can do the math, that's just three days before the uh, presidential election took place. The votes had been coming in. Nobody knew what the votes were. Uh, President Trump uh, says that he was very confident and he believed that he would win. But Steve Bannon, uh, at one time his chief strategist back in 2016, took the position that it didn't matter whether Trump actually won or not. Why? Because he said uh, Trump was planning to declare victory whether or not he won. Uh, this leaked audio uh, publicized in the Washington Post uh, sounds like this. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. It, but it, that doesn't mean he's a winner. He's just going to say he's a winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs voted mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. We're going to have Antifa crazy, the media crazy, the courts are crazy, 
And Trump's gonna be sitting there mocking, tweeting about you lose. <laughs> I'm the winner. I'm the king. And he'll be all over. He'll be. He'll be going. Where's Hunter? Is Hunter on a crack pipe? I mean, no. He'll be because then it doesn't matter. Remember, here's the thing. After that, Trump never has to go to a voter again. He's gonna fire Ray, the FBI director. Fire the going to say you. How about that? Because he's never gonna. He's he's done his last election. Oh, he's gonna be off the chain. He's gonna be crazy. Also, also, if Trump is if Trump is losing by ten or eleven o'clock at night, it's gonna be even crazier. Cause no, because he's gonna sit right there and say they stole it. I'm yeah. the court, uh, Agree. I'm directing the attorney general mm. to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's gonna be no. <laughs> he's not going out easy. If, Trump, if Biden's winning, Trump is gonna do some crazy. Okay. Uh, doesn't this undermine one of the the core contentions? of President Trump regarding the whole January 6th experience and the uh, whole fight on Stop the Steal. In other words, what Steve Bannon is saying, and I think what's what's telling here is people are laughing and applauding in the background, don't know exactly who those people are. And no one has said that these um, that these tapes are fraudulent. They are apparently real. Again, uh, doesn't it indicate a, a complete intention to defraud the American people regardless of how the election turned out? In other words, the, uh, and the claim by Trump uh, saying that uh, even uh, if he's not winning uh, at late at night when he goes to bed, he's, he's going to immediately say this thing was stolen – well, it turned out even better for Trump because he was winning until they started counting some of the mail-in votes that had come in. And what, what this indicates is a, uh, a scheme that uh, is, is remarkably corrupt. Because when he says that uh, Trump will never have to face a voter again, and that he will be unleashed, unleashed to do what? To fire people, to remake the government? Uh, extraordinary. And uh, how uh, so some of the people responding to this, the new audio points to a much more sinister plot than many have imagined. Well, that at the very least... Um, meanwhile, some breaking news. Um, I hadn't heard. This is sad. Ivana Trump, who was the uh, first wife of uh, President Donald Trump, uh, uh, passed away. And President Trump uh, posted, I am very saddened to inform all of those that loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana Trump has passed away at her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, beautiful, and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald uh, Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. She was so proud of them, as we are all so proud of her. Rest in peace, Ivana. Okay, very, very gracious. She had a difficult life after she broke up uh, from President Trump, with President Trump. She had at least three other marriages that uh, I know of. And um, uh, meanwhile, the 
uh, Republican State Leadership Committee in March listed Oregon as uh, one of the uh, several liberal strongholds where it would be possible with the upcoming midterm elections for GOP candidates to make meaningful gains. Yesterday, less than a week after the national group released an internal poll showing Oregon Republicans leading on generic legislative ballots, the committee added Oregon to its list of uh, Democratic-controlled legislatures where Republicans could seize power after the 2022 election. A generic ballots list only parties, not candidates. But that indicates some of the, the stakes here in, in what is going on. The Democrats are, are so desperate that in Arizona, they're messing with another primary. They understand that their best shot to win the governorship in Arizona is to have a Republican candidate who's basically an idiot. And, uh, and, and part of what they are trying very hard to do is to make sure that Carrie Lake, the former newscaster who's been uh, very strongly endorsed by President Trump, that she gets the Republican nomination for governor uh, as opposed to someone who could actually win the thing. And uh, so they are sending out um, a thank you to uh, one of the other candidates for governor running against the Democrats sending out a thank you for her contributions to Democratic candidates in years past. And uh, is that meant to uh, to actually help her win Democratic votes? No, it's to help her to turn her away from winning any Republican votes. And it again is, as the hotline reports, a, another part of a scheme that has been a national scheme on the part of uh, Democratic interests and Democratic money to try to win primaries for people who can't win because they are too far out of the mainstream. Uh, The Democratic State Party, in an email blast this week, thanked former TV newscaster Carrie Lake's Republican opponent, the former State Board of Regents Secretary Karen Taylor Robinson, Uh, thanked her for past donations she made to Democratic candidates. It's not clear that uh, Democrats will spend money to amplify the attack on TV like they have in other races across the country. Officials of the state party did not respond for requests for comment, and outside groups like the Democratic Governors Association have yet to spend money that way. But it's devious, and it's appalling. Uh, Let's hope that Oregon goes in a better direction. Oregon hasn't elected a Republican governor since Vic Atiyah won re-election in 1982. Washington has had the longest current streak of Democratic governors in the nation, with the last Republican to hold the office being John Spellman in 1985. Well, no chance this year because the governor isn't on the ballot. But there's a Senate race and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.